James. Raf. The people want to hear from us. They do. If I can quote from a DM we received from a listener. Please. Who will go unnamed. Obviously, we, we respect privacy and anonymity on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It was Tim Stewart, friend of the pod. <laughs> he sent me a, a DM at 9.06 a.m. yesterday to the Downround Twitter, at Downround Pod. Follow us. Mm-hmm. Need a layman's terms explainer on FTX, fellas. Maybe even layman with significant concussion issues. <laughs> so, obviously, that's the purpose we're here to serve. Multiple people have DM both of us saying, when's the FTX explainer dropping? Mm. When's the San Bankman Freed expose coming from down round? And we can say with confidence, it's right now. <laughs> And it's a good thing we didn't go early like when this was first brewing on Thursday last week. We would have looked like absolute fools, mm. absolute fools, um, left out in the dirt like so many other podcast hosts. SBF, Sam Bankman Freed. Sam Bankrupt Fraud, more <laughs> like it. Sam Bank Run Fried. Yeah, that was all right. Okay, anyway, when did he first come onto your radar? So Sam Bankman-Fried has been a little bit of a leading presence in the crypto world for the past few years. SBF, let's just call him SBF. All right, let's call him SBF. Let's Or Sam. I'm not on that close terms with him. I'll go no. SBF. <laughs> no one asked if you were on close terms with him. Interesting that you just bring that up straight away. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my fiduciary duty to all my people that I, whose money I manage. SBF. SBF. He was basically the golden boy of crypto Mm. over the past few years. He is obviously the founder and CEO of FTX, second biggest crypto exchange in the world. But more than that, he became like the face of crypto. Yeah. And this shaggy-haired weirdo nerd who was coming in to take the crypto world by storm and take it legit as well. So not only was he running a very popular exchange and was trying to onboard all sorts of people onto crypto, he was also at the foreground of a lot of lobbying efforts Mm. with American politicians and regulators to try and get crypto integrated into the financial system at large. He and his fund were hobnobbing with the elite and celebrities. Yeah, it's hard to understate how people fawned over him. You know, yeah. front page of Fortune magazine, you'd listen to podcasts and they'd be like, oh, non-crypto podcasts, just yeah. broader business and finance podcasts and they'd talk about how smart this guy yeah. is. You know, FTX sponsored the World Economic Forum. He's on stage with Bill Clinton and Tony Blair. Um, peace be upon them. <laughs> Take from that what you will. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like they loved him. This guy was seen as the eccentric face of crypto, but who was actually smart and actually got it. Yeah, boy genius. People yeah, love these. Yeah, wunderkind. Yeah, they, people will absolutely go wild for these young, exciting geniuses who are apparently going to shake up the world. Yeah, and- but he didn't have the crypto weirdness of being like, I'm going to be an alternative to the financial system because taxation is theft and no. all of that kind of thing. He, he was very much happy to align himself, at least to a certain degree, with the system and say, obviously, he had fantasies of crypto becoming accepted in the mainstream and mm. also FTX becoming basically like the New York Stock Exchange of crypto, mm. like a central institution that played by the rules, had regulators giving it some oversight. At least this is sort of the image he was projecting. Another big thing about SPF is he's a big fan of effective altruism. What's that? I feel like my altruism is pretty effective. Okay. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> you know why? You're not bringing engineers' mindset 
to your altruistic giving. Oh, damn. Um, so we could probably do a whole episode on um, EA, and I think maybe we will at some point because it's kind of like it is one of the religions of Silicon Valley right now. It is one of the tech industry sort of religions. Basically, without getting too into the weeds, it is a philosophy which says that you should always be maximizing your giving and improving wellness and happiness and whatever around the world. Like it's a utilitarian philosophy. Yeah, your impact. But doing it in a way that makes sense. That doesn't just mean taking your money and giving it everything you earn to some random charity. Mm. It's about taking like a really specific mindset about maximizing every dollar spent. Mm. Sounds great on paper. Sounds wonderful. Mm. SBF was hugely into it. He used to work at some institute that was dedicated to it. And, you know, headlines, this 30-year-old billionaire is it's, pledged to give away all of his money. All his money, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, his whole thing was like, I'm only becoming rich through crypto so I can give it all away. Mm. And he was investing in things like pandemic preparedness and eliminating ma- malaria and all this sort of stuff. Ethical AI. Yeah, exactly. Ethical, like making sure humanity doesn't get obliterated by a rogue AI. This is the stuff that like long-termists, as a lot of them call themselves, preoccupy themselves with. Mm. Yeah, it added to the mythos. So as a result, everyone sort of frothed on him to an unreasonable degree. Well, yeah, as an example, this is from the Sequoia Capital website. It's now been taken down. Sequoia being big VCs, invested early in Google and WhatsApp, you name it, very big VC. After my interview with SBF, I was convinced I was talking to a future trillionaire. For me, it was simply a gut feeling. I've been talking to founders and doing deep dives into technology companies for decades. And because of that experience, there must be a pattern matching algorithm churning away somewhere in my subconscious. I don't know how I know, I just do. SBF is a winner. But that wasn't even the main thing. There was something else I felt, something in my heart, not just my gut. After sitting 10 feet from him for most of the week, studying him in the human musk of a startup grind and chatting in between beanbag naps, I couldn't shake the feeling that this guy is actually as selfless as he claims to be. But no longer. No longer. He's in the doghouse, you could say. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. All right. We'll get there. Seeing some breadcrumbs for the listener, you know, <laughs> yeah. to know that not all is well in Casa de FTX. <laughs> They're probably thinking like, oh, this is going to be one of those episodes where the boys just talk up an amazing figure. <laughs> Alamada Research. Alameda Research. Uh-huh. Tomato, tomato. Tom- exactly. That's where it all began. Yes. So- Let's go back a little bit in time. Go back. Go back 50 years. Go back 100 years. Go back 200 years. We're talking about the birth of currency, baby. <laughs> a short history of debt. Exactly. Great read, actually. Check oh, the the Graeber book? Yeah, it is quite good. Anyway, Sam Bankman-Freud, SPF. He's the um, son of university professors. His dad, who I believe is at Stanford, is an expert in tax havens, which will become relevant later. Again, I'm sort of just feeding you a little bit of foreshadowing. Make of that what you will. Uh, as we said before, really smart kid. Grew up as a bit of a maths and science whiz. Ended up working at Jane Street, which is a uh, trading firm on Wall Street. Very successful Wall Street trading firm, which is known for having like a really sophisticated tech stack and also basically hiring freaks. Hiring like really, really smart weirdos, essentially. Mm. It's got a, a recruitment process that's sort of trained to do that. So he was there for a little while. Then he ended up founding a company called Alameda Research, after he, he got into crypto, as many smart freaks did, um, and not so smart freaks, plenty of those, the marks, you could, you could say. Um, <laughs> basically, what he did is he exploited basically an arbitrage opportunity in the earlier days of Bitcoin. The kimchi premium. The kimchi premium. 
which basically allowed him to purchase uh, Bitcoin at lower rates and sell it at, the, at a higher rate in Asian markets. Yeah, well, while Bitcoin would be 15K in the US, it would be 20K in certain Asian markets. Yeah. Kimchi premium. It was always hard to do an arbitrage because there was capital controls in places like South Korea, which made it hard to kind of get your money out. And he apparently was the genius that made, well, the SBF story is that he made a billion dollars from this. Like many details, it's up for contention how much money they actually made off this so-called kimchi premium. And whether it was South Korea at all, it now seems like they might have made money out of Japan. They certainly made some money, though, doing he, this. I think, yeah, he, he definitely made some money. Anywhere between $10 million and a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's a wide range, but it's all it's all money, baby. Let's, <laughs> anyway, so he made a lot of money doing that. Alameda Research was a, a hedge fund that was doing all sorts of crypto trading and you know, relatively successfully, it seems like. From that, he founded FTX, which is a crypto exchange. For those who don't know what a crypto exchange is, it's a place where you can buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies or digital assets. A lot of them sell NFTs and stuff now as well, um, with the idea being that it's a marketplace where you trade with other users and market makers. Yeah, I buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, that Bitcoin is held on FTX. I can use that Bitcoin to either buy different, like other cryptocurrencies, buy some Ethereum, buy some Dogecoin, or I can take that Bitcoin off FTX and put it in my own wallet or exactly. whatever. That's the point. It's, I'm buying yeah. and selling crypto. But crucially, you can give them custody of your coins um, mm. and they can just sit on a wallet on FTX. Mm. And for a lot of people, they were happy to do that. A, because they were trading with them or B, because you know there might be a novice user who's just happy to have it somewhere that seems relatively safe. Yeah. As opposed to, for people who, God bless you, have never bought crypto <laughs> or entered the space, uh, as opposed to what a hardcore crypto, like a crypto file <laughs> will tell you. And to be fair, like how it started is you buy Bitcoin and then you hold it in, a, in your own personal wallet. Wallet, software on your computer or on like an external hard drive. Or ledger. Or you, there's a way to do it on a piece of paper if you want by writing down a bunch of numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> phrase, phrase. But anyway, so he's a boy genius. Word spreading about this genius who's made all this money from the kimchi premium. <laughs> kimchi premium. <laughs> he solved the riddle of the kimchi premium. You know? The whispers all over the world. People would say the kimchi premium. I've heard about that. Yeah, he's already connected because of his parents and um, working at Jane Street, et cetera, et cetera. Danford University. Oh, MIT, sorry. MIT. He's starting an exchange. Yep. Why wouldn't you want to fucking invest? Yep. And invest VCs did. They did. A lot of uh, big name firms, Sequoia. Among others, pumped a bunch of money into it. SoftBank, BlackRock was one that I was surprised to see on there because they're—I mean—they talk big game about governance, etc. Another investor that was really important at this point was a guy by the name of Changpeng Zhao. He goes by the name CZ. 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 No, okay. no, CZ is what he's referred to. All right, SBF, CZ, CZ. There's a lot of people flying around. A lot of uh, initialisms flying around. He's the founder of Binance, which is the largest crypto exchange. At this point, it's, it's worth saying that these funds are not domiciled in the US. They're domiciled in countries where they can get around whatever regulations or another one. So yeah. generally the Caribbean, the Bahamas, etc. So they do have a, a, a US subsidiary, FTX.US, mm. which is subject to different rules, more, more stringent rules. But substantial investment from Binance and Changpeng Zhao. 
So all of a sudden, it starts sort of exploded. It became quite rapidly the second biggest crypto exchange in the world. We're talking about in a couple of years, right? Like this is kind of 2019, I think, it launched. Yeah, it was not long before COVID, basically. Mm. All of a sudden, it was big big partnerships with celebrities and stuff. Tom Brady, Mm. New England Patriots. Yeah, and Giselle Bunchen. Yep, RIP to that relationship. It's over. Mm. Well, she was the ambassador. She was the FTX ambassador. Yeah, exactly. And they, they did ads and what have you. Tom Brady changed his picture on Twitter too with the Bitcoin laser eyes. Nice. Very lame. <laughs> very, very lame. The sponsoring that Miami... Yeah, they bought the naming rights to the Miami Heat Stadium. For 19 years. Yeah. this is It's like Crypto.com buying the um the one in LA, I'm pretty sure. Again, that's like a 20-year deal. Yeah. I mean, I think the Melbourne Demons or something in here in... Oh, at least the AFL has a bunch of things brought to you by Crypto.com. Yeah, and exactly. There's a bunch of sports A lot, lot of sports. Anyway. They're spending big money. Big money. Oh, being sponsored. Super Bowl ads. Yes. And bring it back to the initial thing where it came out of Alameda Research. Important to remember that... Well, to know that these are meant to be two completely separate businesses. Yeah, let's take stock here. Sam starts Alameda Research trading. They trade, like anyone would, they make bets on the price of crypto. I'm going to buy a bunch of this stuff and assume it's going to go up and make money. But, you know, they were being a bit more clever because, you know, they're they're very, very, very smart people. If I buy this and loan it to this person and short this and do this arbitrage, we're going to make a billion dollars and continue to be very, very smart. Very different to FTX. So Alamada, FTX, separate businesses. FTX, I buy Bitcoin off them. They hold my Bitcoin for me. That's what they do. Very different. Nerds will be saying like, hold on, but Alamada provide liquidity and are market makers for FTX. Yes, 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 but we don't, we don't need to get into I want to hear about you. I don't want to hear anything from you. <laughs> yeah, well. um, the businesses are, are meant to be separate. There's some conflict of interests there. Obviously, if, if Alameda is trading on FTX and whatever, they may gain where FTX customers lose. So there's conflict of interest problems there. So they're meant to be kept very separate. Mm. The next thing to mention which becomes very key to our story in a second, is the FTT token. Mm. So every crypto project under the sun has a, a token associated with it. Mm. You know, they have their own little cryptocurrencies, which don't want to get too far into <laughs> what that's all about. But well, I mean, you may be asking why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good question. It's a wonderful question. So in the case of FTT, it's kind of like a stock, but not really. It well, it's not regulated for one. Yes, and you don't actually have any rights to. You've got no rights for anything. Yeah, <laughs> but it is at the same time. It is kind of like a a bet on the future performance of the stock. Yeah, they put a clever quote like that's in air quotes clever mechanism in that means that if you hold it, the more trades that go through FTX, the more your token, your FTT token, becomes worth. FTT. So new acronym FTT is the token by FTX. Correct. And you get a discount on your trades, like on you your get, fees. You get like- a little discount. Yeah, but basically everything we just said. Just imagine that it's like a, it's magic beans that FTX has said is worth money. Yes. That's much more helpful to think about. And if you're really into FTX, you're going to think these magic beans are worth something. Absolutely. And by the magical transitive property, they were for a time. Yes. <laughs> you know, people would actually pay for the, that, that amount of money. Anyway. That's a broader crypto thing. Yes. Anyone, you can make a crypto. Like any, We can all make a token. In fact, you should. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. You should. And we commit to buying it. Just send us a DM on Twitter and boosting it. And we're pumping it to an insane degree. Anyway, so this state of affairs tied along for a while. Our good friend SBF became a very prominent donor to the US Democratic Party. He was the number two donor to um, Joe Biden's campaign mm-hmm. after, well. George Soros. <laughs> yes, after Mr. George Soros. <laughs> 
And so he, he was in the news a little bit for that, lobbying for crypto regulations. He is kind of like a liberal guy. He comes from a liberal family. So I think he sort of does align with the Democratic Party on a bunch of different things. He, which is one of the reasons why he's so high profile again, right? Like yeah. this is a very palatable crypto guy. Yeah, totally. He's not like like a crazy right wing Bitcoin dude. Yeah, to the point where FTX is now the second biggest exchange in the world, correct? Yep. After Binance, mm-hmm. CZ's one. Yep. So in the interim, the nice little relationship he had with CZ of, of Binance had sort of started to collapse a little bit. They started off as collaborators. Let's make this crypto ecosystem mm. great. And then, you know, they started behaving more like competitors because that's what they were. So they were kind of like, they were always flexing and tweeting shit at each other. It was mm. very unedifying. The Thucydides uh, trap. Exactly. So at some point, due to this being untenable, CZ divested his investment and Binance, sorry, Binance divested its investment in FTX. As in FTX bought the shares that Binance owned of FTX. Like they bought back stock in themselves using a bunch of different cryptocurrencies because, yep. of course, this isn't the real world. They didn't just buy it for cash. It's all funny money. Crucially, a lot of the crypto they used to buy those shares back were FTT. The FTT tokens, the ones we mentioned before. Mm. So Binance has been sitting on this reserve of a large number of FTT tokens. Then crypto winter hits. So this was obviously end of last year, beginning of this year, persisting through to now. Crypto winter hit, huge downturn, prices collapsing. Looks like a lot of crypto protocols, projects, exchanges. Hedge funds. Are going under. Um, Looks like they're about to collapse. The whole sector looks like it's on the verge of collapsing. Mm. The hype absolutely collapses. Mm. You may have noticed that we've done like one or two episodes about crypto and we've just never really felt the need to do another one because nothing happened. Mm. Um, Because really, like absolutely nothing was happening in the space. Mm. No one was talking about NFTs and shit anymore. (laughs) So what happened at that point is that SPF, hero that he is, Savior. Valiant rescuer mm. stepped up to the plate and said, I'm going to start rescuing these businesses. I'm mm. going to start rescuing these these crypto projects. Other exchanges and custodians for businesses and you know leverage funds and whatnot that would have customer money. People would have lost their money with them going bankrupt, like lost the money that they had in these businesses. And he's come in and said, we'll buy them. Yep, we'll buy them out. Uh, and he was being described as like you know, the JP Morgan of crypto because you know back in the before the Great Depression, JP Morgan was buying up all these failing financial institutions and banks, and it was considered one of the great genius business moves of the 20th century because after the Great Depression, when there was another boom, he was reaping the the spoils. Yeah, he had market dominance. So the schools of thoughts were, A, he's being really clever here and strategic, and FTX obviously has a bunch of capital. They must be super safe, but he's buying up all these businesses, and then he's going to be so big when the boom times come again. And B, it's good for FTX if people have faith in crypto. And so he's saving these businesses because it's good, which is effectively what he said, to be fair. He he, He, he admitted that was basically his strategy. He was saying, I don't really want to be buying these, but I can't just let them go under because it's good for crypto if if I buy them. I'm burning a relatively small amount of capital to make sure everybody is thriving. Mm. As a result, a lot of these businesses like BlockFi and other- Voyager, I believe, was another one. Other other, ended up- with a lot of FTT tokens as well. They kind of, their treasuries became full of it too. And they were also, they became attached to the FTX exchange and started doing their business through the FTX exchange, of course. Anyway, so this was going on. Everything was looking schmick for Mr. Sam Bankman Freed. The genius. The genius, the boy genius, the king. Looks like a school shooter, but God, he's got a brain on him. <laughs> God, he's got a brain on him. Until last week, 
So Coindesk, who are a crypto publication, basically reported a story which was just them kind of like floating a bit of like a huh sort of story mm. where they basically said that Alameda Research, as I said, that was the hedge fund, the investor, related to FTX but separate, meant to be separate, had a lot of the FTT token on their books, mm. like an unreasonable amount of it. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, not illegal. It's just that it seemed to suggest that the two businesses were a lot more interrelated than they should have been, basically. Mm. These businesses are supposed to be separate, but if, if they hold so much FTT, there's some funny business going on potentially. Well, there's some conflicts there again. Again, yeah, totally. So basically what that led to was our friend CZ from Binance basically announced and Binance announced that they were concerned about this um, arrangement and they dumped... They started to sell off all the FTT tokens that they were holding from that acquisition hmm. back when FTX reacquired the stake from Binance. A new character alert actually here. Caroline, who is the CEO of Alamada Research. Caroline Ellison. Caroline Ellison. We're on first name basis with these people. First yeah. name basis. You're right. I, well, I feel familiar. In crypto, you know, everyone is just kind of... <laughs> we're not in crypto. Elon. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Caroline Ellison, Ms. Ellison responded to CZ saying, we'll buy it off you for $22 per token. Oh, sweet. You want to sell our FTT? We've got heaps of cash. We'll just, we'll buy it off you. Don't worry about putting it in the open market. It's supposed to be confidence inspiring, but obviously everyone knows that if CZ was to dump something like 500,000 FTT tokens or half a billion dollars worth of FTT tokens on the open market, there's no one there to buy them. No one's going to buy those and it's going to send the, the price absolutely crashing. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. Mm. That started Well, that started happening. Plus the fact... Everyone saw that happen and Binance expressing their concern about, you know, the integrity of the business. Mm. And this started quite naturally a bank run on FTX. So yeah. all these people were like, oh, shit, does that mean FTX is about to go under? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Everyone rushed to withdraw their money that was sitting on the exchange. And then, hey, presto, it turned out that it was a liquidity crunch. FTX did actually not have enough money to give people their tokens back. Yeah. Within the space of a couple of days, first it was, of course, funds are safe. SBF yeah. tweeting, funds are safe. Don't worry. We have all of your assets one-to-one. That tweet's been deleted. Yeah, because it was not true. <laughs> uh, it was not true. And let's reiterate again. We're talking about FTX, the exchange. I buy a Bitcoin off FTX. They hold my Bitcoin in a wallet, ostensibly, and I can withdraw it at any time. There should be a Bitcoin there. There should be, exactly. You should, there should be a one-for-one reserve. You should be able to get everything. And their exchange, what would they be doing with it otherwise? But you couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't. So CZ steps in uh, again, again. Another act of charity from these lovely crypto boys <laughs> who are always just trying to help each other out and said, uh, I'm going to step in, I'm going to acquire FTX. Yeah, We're the gonna... acquirer becomes the acquired. This alone was like unbelievably seismic in the world of crypto. Yes. They were like freaked out. They were like, oh my God, the biggest exchange is about to buy the second biggest exchange. That's where we were at last Thursday. Yeah. And like- That's as- where the story would have ended for us on Thursday. Correct. Lucky we didn't do a, a show. And but- it was huge. It was like, this is crazy. Yeah. The and biggest the f- exchange buying the second biggest exchange. And the exchange. fact this all seemed to happen in the course of like two days, everyone yeah. was like, what the hell is going on? If all of a sudden for our Australian listeners, the Commonwealth Bank was just like, oh, yeah, we're buying Westpac and St. George. Yeah. To save them. Yeah. Because by the way- Westpac and St. George are bankrupt, and so we need to save them. Yeah, and the entire executive team of Commonwealth Bank were in like a polyamorous relationship. We'll get to that. Anyway, so that's what we thought the story was, was happening. Then on the weekend, CZ comes out and steps back into, onto the pulpit and says, now, wait a minute, we've had a look at this 
what we thought was a seaworthy vessel, mm. and it's a riddle with barnacles. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't put it that way. He didn't um, use a metaphor. No, he, he doesn't sound like the kind of guy who would use a metaphor. Pretty down-the-line guy. We should say SBF was like, we really appreciate Binance is coming in to help yeah. us out, and this is best for customers, this is best for crypto. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. And see, great for the space. You know, well, it was effusive. It was effusive about CZ and Binance. Basically, he was just like, please buy me. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. And the, but he said no. CZ said no, they're basically the, the fundamentals are, are uh, all fucked up. They're <laughs> fucked up, man. They're fucked up. <laughs> so he, re- he basically refused to go through with the deal. Which is a very quick turnaround. It was basically yeah. FTX opened their books and it was like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. They opened the front door of the office and it was a bunch of dead bodies, I think, <laughs> just strewn around on the floor like a cartel hit or something. Well, luckily enough, we do get to peek into, into their books. We do because SPF was shopping around for other investors to mm-hmm. rescue them. He went with a spreadsheet in tow, which the Financial Times got their hand on. Yeah, he was looking for $8 billion. You know, which I could probably get that from from someone with just, you know, the gift of the gab. And look, the spreadsheet is a, apparently a, well, they're referring to it as a balance sheet. It doesn't look really like any balance sheet that at least any business that I've been involved with has produced. No. It's more of a, while yes, it's a spreadsheet, you could- achieve a similar thing in a notes document, it really looks like it's just yeah. kind of been typed in. Yes. And I, th- I think if you just use one of the basic built-in templates on uh, Google Sheets, it probably would have been better. It would have looked a lot better. Uh, some <laughs> highlights were in cell A1, note, all of these are rough values and could be slightly off. There is also obviously a chance of typos, etc. So that's... Uh, yeah. That's you the know, heading. Lay down the line, these numbers may not be accurate. Yeah. Here are the highlights. Liabilities, $8.8 billion. Liquid assets, i.e. ones that we can get our hands on quickly, we've got $900 million. So that's a fair way off. <laughs> then we've got a less liquid column, which includes FTT and Serum, SRM. Serum being basically the same as FTT, but for their decentralized exchange. Just think of it the same. They can so print it themselves. A, it's another little magic bean. Over another little magic bean. And illiquid, sorry, less liquid, $5 billion, allegedly. Uh, illiquid, something called Trump Loose and Twitter. Yeah. I've... Still unexplained. As They have Twitter stock. It's a private company. I don't know what's going on there. But again, skipping to the highlights. This is literally now we're down at row 23, column A. Hidden, poorly internally labeled <laughs> fiat at account. Negative $8 billion. Yes. So they basically they just found a... $8 billion liability just lying around. There were many things I wish I could do differently. We're now at row 25, again, column A. There are many things I wish I could do differently that I did, but the largest are represented by these two things. The poorly labeled <laughs> internal bank-related account. That's the fiat, $8 billion. <laughs> and the size of customer withdrawals during a bank run. So this is what he's provided while trying to raise $8 billion. Yeah. His... Liabilities of $8.9 billion, and the majority of the assets are FTT and SRM, the two tokens that they make themselves, which he said before this week they were worth $11 billion. They're now worth $2.6 billion. They're not even worth $2.6 no, The number would be closer to zero, I would imagine. <laughs> which begs the question, okay, so you owe $8 billion, primarily to customers, presumably, like people who've putting money in. 
assuming that they're going to be able to pull their money out because it should just be sitting there. You're a custodian. And your biggest assets are FTT and Serum, two tokens that you print yourself. Something's up. Something's not quite right here. And believe it or not, seems like no one invested in part of the $8 billion funding round. Yeah, no, no takers, unfortunately, from this <laughs> this elegant spreadsheet with annotations, <laughs> with panicked annotations. I just, yeah, I just love the, the fact of finding an eight, scrounging around your, in your living room and looking under the couch and finding a bill for $8 billion. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. Uh, That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest regret, probably the $8 billion that I just didn't know I'd lost. Yeah. But where did the money go? How do you lose $8 billion? Well, what were they doing? That's what people are trying to figure out. Mm. But this is where it all comes back to the Alameda Research stuff. It looked like, and stick with me here, it seems like Alameda Research got absolutely railed during the crypto downturn, Mm. made some terrible bets. And look, you know, a lot of people made some terrible bets. A lot of people lost money in the crypto downturn. Yeah. I'm I'm extending the the branch of solidarity to, I didn't lose anything, but, you know. So it seems like they lost a lot of money making all sorts of kooky bets. Mm. And- came out palms outstretched to uh, FTX to cover their losses. And what did uh, an FTX did so with customer money? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Well, not only seems like it has been reported that Carolyn herself, sorry, Ms. Ellison herself said to staff, yes, we did it. Here's why we did it. And yeah, basically gave money, FTX customer money to Alameda to keep them solvent. Yeah, because it, um, it turned out that Alameda had been making a bunch of like venture capital bets in, I guess, other crypto businesses. And when that all came to roost, they needed money to cover it. Including Luna, Luna yeah. collapsed. The speculation around them losing a bunch of money due to slippage with providing liquidity, blah, 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 blah. But point being, they seem to have lost at least $8 billion. Yeah. The key sort of learning here as well is that it turned out, unfortunately, the businesses weren't actually that fenced off from one another, mm. A, because they were transferring $8 billion from one to the other, but also the fact that all these businesses were being run by, like, a cast of 10 poly freaks living in this, like, Bahamas fuck pad penthouse. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm on amphetamines. While they were all completely buzzed out of their skulls and amphetamines. <laughs> now, before you say, whoa, I'd love a little bit of that, <laughs> it was actually completely immoral. <laughs> <laughs> They will be judged. Exactly. By the Lord and by the courts and by these disgruntled customers. And, and us. And us right here. And, <laughs> and podcasters who have never achieved anything in their lives. <laughs> but not fraud. Um, so the, the reporting was that they uh, – I, I wasn't just saying that in a derisive way. There were literally like 10 people running the company, like a dozen people, and they uh, were all like dating each other mm. and living in this like beautiful – sprawling Bahamas penthouse. Mm. And despite the businesses supposed to be separated, you know, they were having meetings in the same room and, like, the Alameda people could see the, the screens of their mm. cohabitors mm. who were doing uh, FTX stuff. The compliance, I would say, is low. Yeah. I mean, and the work culture seemed to be get high on amphetamines, yep. work 20-hour days, and sleep on a bean bags in the office. Like, yep. work, sleep, fuck, take drugs. <laughs> Lose money, all in the same space. Yeah. Change the world. Change Well, yeah. And they have. Mm. They have. Perhaps not the way they intended. Yeah. So, basically, this was all revealed. Sam Backman-Fried's had gone from being one of the richest men on the planet, who's valued at $26 billion. We could speculate on whether that was a legitimate valuation uh, when it was so magic bean heavy in terms of his, <laughs> his asset load. Mm. And it is worth pointing out, so the FTT tokens really play a fundamental role in this because- 
the way you're basically able to make loans, especially in the crypto world, but this is the same as true in, in the real world. Like when you buy a house and you get a loan from the bank, they're using that house you buy as collateral in that if you stop being able to pay your loan, they take the house and sell it in order to get their money back. What FTX and Alamada were doing was using the FTT token as collateral. Like you loan me a billion dollars, I'll give you billion dollars worth of FTT for you to hold on to in case I don't pay back this billion dollars. Especially if you can create the FTT tokens yourself, you've just created a billion dollars in liquid assets for yourself, which also is seemingly a key. I'm now getting into speculation. So why did they buy BlockFi Voyager when it was on the way down? Was it to save the kind of crypto ecosystem? More likely, there's kind of two reasons. One, they were holding a bunch of FTT and if they'd collapsed, they it would have been liquidated on the open markets and that would have driven down the price of FTT, which would have meant that, as I said, FTX are using and Alamada are using FTT to securitize these loans. There would have been margin call, blah, 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 blah. They would have had to pay back their creditors. B, again, speculation, people are postulating that they wanted uh, these other exchanges because they can immediately take the customer funds and again, <laughs> give it to Alamada who are trying to trade their way out of a massive uh, out, of, out of a massive hole. Yeah, it's quite possible. But anyway, uh, his entire enormous wealth has been basically completely liquidated. He's got nothing, mm. and they're both they're now in the Bahamas. I believe the whole whole squad is still there. It's not one hundred percent clear what's happening, but they seem to be under the supervision of the authorities. Mm. And um, SPF is tweeting and gaming, according to the New York Times. Mm. He's been gaming. He needs to blow off a little bit of steam. You know, things are obviously quite stressful. Yeah. So he's playing a game, some League of Legends-ish game. One of the funnier things that happened as well, though, in the past kind of 48 hours, or like since the collapse is FTX put out a notice that we're opening up withdrawals, because obviously withdrawals are paused through this. You can't take your money off the exchange right now. We're opening up withdrawals to people from the Bahamas only at the behest of the Bahamas regulators. And so anyone who lived in the Bahamas, which... It's a tax haven. There's a lot of crypto-affiliated people as well as, I'm sure, plenty of locals. But uh, there's a lot of uh, businesses that want to be in a tax haven in the Bahamas. We're able to just pull off all of this wealth out of FTX. They were able to like grab it all. An interesting thing that happened there, though, is some enterprising Bahamas folk started selling NFTs, which gave you the right to your own funds on FTX that they were going to pull out on your behalf, effectively. You transfer your money to them. They pull it out. And give it to you. Your NFT is worth the, you know, the value or whatever. And a, a humorous tweeter pointed out that this may be the first use case for NFTs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again, just like everything with crypto, there is a use case, as we keep saying. We keep saying crypto does have a use case. It's just like pinging money around illegit- illegitimately, yeah, towards illegitimate ends, or just moving money around on the sly. Yeah, it is great at that. It's wonderful at that. Wonderful at that. But in terms of being a, um, a stable asset or a bedrock for the financial system. Jury's out. Mm. Jury is out. Okay, so a lot of people have lost a lot of money. Correct. Definitely looks like allegedly fraud was committed on a massive scale. On an enormous scale. It allegedly looks like many laws have been broken. Yes. Institutional money scared off digital assets for a very long time. Yeah, that's true. The future of crypto... Bullish for crypto? (laughs) Me? Strong signal? (laughs) Buy the dip, maybe buy the dip. What? But no, I mean, this was a, a time where, yeah, the big banks and you know, Canadian pension funds, <laughs> like the classic. Well, yeah, and family offices, other institutional money. Everyone was trying to get exposure to crypto. Because there was always one guy at every one of these offices, one guy who was just hassling people to get 
get involved in crypto. It looked like it was going mainstream. Yeah, totally. And again, one of Sam Bankman-Fried's things was that he wanted to set up, you could trade futures using FTX from, on the actual stock exchange, doing partnerships with the SEC and blah, 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 all this kind of regulatory uh, mainstream environment. And he was a big proponent of, and people bought it. People bought, oh, yeah, like this guy's onto something. He's super smart. I can see us putting our futures contracts on the blockchain and trading it 24-7 because we trust this guy. That is all in the toilet. Oh, totally. Institutional money is gone from crypto. Yep. Gone. Gone. The effective altruists discredited, (laughs) unfortunately. But this is what I was going to say. So, yeah, sure, he's fucked up. Yep. (laughs) Committed, who knows, what crimes. Lost many, lots of lots of lots of lots of lots of people, lots of money, lots of institutions, lots of money. But maybe it's all worth it because he was funneling it into these altruistic causes. That's true. Malaria nets, folks. You can never get enough of those. No. Apparently, the most effective thing is malaria nets sprayed with anti mosquito spray. That's the best thing you can do to stop malaria. Oh, that's cool. I mean, if he was doing that, then I'm I'm okay with the. Massive criminal fraud operation he was running. So I guess the down round assessment on SBF? Two thumbs up, baby. 